Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Greg Ducharme, joined tonight by Kyle Porter and Mark Immelman. Boys, what an interesting tournament we had. But how are we doing tonight? Kyle, what's going on? How's your weekend going so far? It's it's pretty good. Uh, I, I'm I'm sick for like the third straight Sunday, so that's not fun. But uh, enjoyed the tournament. I, I I've you know if every tournament could be like if I could have the choice of every tournament ending with a winner and single digits under par, I would. It was just it was so fun. It was fun to watch guys getting ejected all over the place. But you know if you play the course well, then there was a number out there. So I don't know. I loved it over the weekend. I had a blast watching it. Mark, are you in the same page with him? Uh, yeah, I'm a little sick too. No uh, coronavirus, thankfully. Um, yeah, but, but you know, Bay Hill is such a great golf course. Um, and just the setup, I think, was spectacular. Uh, if you look at the leaderboard, it kind of brought out a lot of the people that had been playing well. And, and to me, with conditions firm and fast, and you heard a number of the players say they would prefer it that way, it just highlighted skill. Yes, there were situations where you did balls that land on the green that you couldn't keep on putting surfaces downwind. But you know what? I think in the end, a good champion, and I'm convinced that if Arnie was looking down from heaven, he'd be he'd be very happy with how this whole thing transpired. It's a great golf course. It's an interesting setup. But, man, I don't know. I, I watched this tournament, and I think there's one round in the 60s all weekend. I know it's par 72, but you had – uh, very, very few under par rounds on Sunday. Uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick shot 69 and he vaulted way up the leaderboard. I mean, I don't know when the last time we saw a birdie was. I, mean, I guess Mark Leishman on 16 was the last birdie we saw. But to me, we're expecting a PGA Tour event and all of a sudden a PAT breaks out. And you're looking at guys trying to you know, get break 80 for two days uh, to become a, a Class A PGA member. So it, it was... Great to watch because the golf course is is extremely difficult. You like watching the guys struggle a little bit. But for me personally, I enjoy some birdies. I like seeing some birdies made, some some excitement. I like feeling like a guy can make a charge coming down the stretch. But it's an interesting fine line. So, um, but you know, congratulations to to Tyrrell Hatton here because it was an impressive win. I think in these kind of conditions to hold on is a really difficult thing. Kyle, what impressed you about Tyrrell Hatton this week, uh, especially over the weekend? Well, look, so, uh, on Sunday, he goes, so he plays the front nine, he makes two bogeys, gets it back with two birdies, and then he goes to 11. And 11 was like, you know, a three act play in 20 minutes. I mean, it was, it was insane. And you know, he, he goes middle finger at the lake and then he pulls out a shotgun and pretends to shoot skeet over the lake. I mean, this all <laughs> happened within like within five minutes and he makes he makes a six. He makes a double. And then, I mean, it looks like he's going to shoot like a 55 on the back nine. Uh, and what does he do from there? He goes seven straight pars to win the event. That was a big deal. I, I just I, 
you know, for somebody who's kind of chaotic and kind of, you know, he gets really upset and frustrated and ir- he's irritable. I just, I, I thought the seven straight pars to end it was super impressive. I mean, yeah, like it's not, you know, it's different than Rory shooting a 30 on the back or 31 or whatever when he won two years ago. But it's just as impressive because he, he I, I thought he, I thought he really showed a lot of uh, mental toughness after that just ludicrous hole at 11. Yeah, Mark, does that surprise you at all to see a guy who can react that way at 11? You would think a, a player who, I'll use air quotes here, a, a hot-headed type player, an emotional type player, would struggle at a venue like this when there are big numbers out there, and he makes a big number on 11. Does it surprise you that he's able to hold his composure going forward for the remaining seven holes? Uh, you know, not really, because he's won a few times on the European Tour before, four times, I believe it, believe it is, and... Incidentally, I noticed a bunch of euros show up on the top of the leaderboard with Paul Ezinger in the analyst seat again. Just saying, it's and, awesome. And, 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 so, <laughs> and, and so you know, he's he can win like this. He, he all, all the way through his career, he's always been Tyrrell Hatton. And I know folks who listen to this podcast all the time. Well, yeah, oh, here goes Immelman again. He's talking about a person being true to himself, and that's Tyrrell. The time I've been on the golf course with him before, I mean, he's a beauty. I do not have to say anything pre or post shot as an on-course rover because he's got it all covered and he's just a one-man highlight reel. I mean, a director of a TV show must love this guy. You say to your, your camera guy, keep your camera trained on his face, something is coming out. And that's how he plays. Um, I, I found the way he dealt with a win um, interesting because he said behind 14 green, he thought he had spent the lead. So then uh, he uh, has a look up and he's like, dang, I'm, I'm, one, I'm one or two in front. And then he drives it through the fairway on 15, makes a good fall. It looks like 16 is going to the dogs and he gets up and down from that back bunker, which was sporty. And then he hits one of the most quality long irons of the day, I think, by anybody to, to 17 and closes it out on 18. They were two quality hits. So, I mean, he's got all sorts of game and... No, I'm not surprised. That's how Tyrrell Latin is. And sometimes it works against him and sometimes it works for him. And on a day like today when par was a good score, it, it worked out in his favor. I think it's a little bit like uh, it's a little like John Rahm, right? Like I, mm-hmm. I just I don't get worked up over guys like, look, do you need to be punching signs at the U.S. Open? Probably not. You know, like Rahm did at, at Aaron Hills. But I just I just don't care. Like if, if those guys are getting frustrated. I mean, it's just who they are. So be who you are. Try not to like, you know, damage any property and get on to the next hole. By the way, Mark, if we yeah. get like a if we get a Rom Hatton pairing at a Ryder Cup, <laughs> I mean, that's gonna and they get like, well, what are we five minutes in? I think I've hit my over under. They get like Spieth and JT or something like that. I mean, you <laughs> you really you won't yeah. you <laughs> you won't so. even. You won't even need uh, you won't even need broadcasters. Well, yeah, I mean, this, this is beautiful. Scratch did an awesome thing where they clipped a couple bits from him from like the second or third round, and the best one was down nine. He's flared a medium iron from the middle of the fairway out there to the right side of the green, and he looks over at his caddy. Can't remember his I can't remember his name, but he's a longtime European tour guy, and he goes, "Have you ever seen a worse shot than that?" Now the caddy's job is just to basically bite your lip, and he says, "Just go ahead and answer me." The caddy goes, no. He goes, exactly. <laughs> and I, just, I, I love his manner because he, if you catch him off the golf course, which I have, he's unassuming, he's witty, 
and, and he's actually quite shy. And I think David Fairty said it best. He goes, he loves everybody else, but he hates himself. <laughs> and so I think him and Rom would be dynamite together. I mean, for me on the golf course, I, I just walk along and get the popcorn, really. I love seeing that personality out of him. It's, it's fascinating. You know, he's driving to the golf course or driving around town in, in the bat the bat, Batmobile. He's got that black Ferrari. Now he's going to be able to buy another one, I think. Dude, it's um, purple. Or, uh, Lamborghini, it's purple. right? I think purple. Well, it was purple. He had a purple one. And oh. now they were showing he's got a black one. And it's matte black. I mean, it really looks like a... It looks like a car out of Batman. It's it's pretty neat, and uh, so I, I think he's definitely got a little car thing, and and maybe he can add another one to the mix here this weekend. To me, the shot of the tournament for him was on 13. He hits it into the right rough, slams his club in the fairway to get back to what you guys are talking about there. Another great reaction because he he missed that fairway wood into the right trees, and he's he's sitting in the rough at 100. And, 41 yards somewhere right just over 140 yards i'm thinking he's got to lay up the the rough the ball looks like it's buried down in the rough and on 13 you got water right in front of the the flag there and and he gets it to come out perfectly lands it on the green holds the green and makes another par there for me that was the that, that was that was the critical shot for him right there many many followed but that one was big for him I mean, I still can't get over that he pulled a shotgun out on a, a fake shotgun with one of his irons and, sh and <laughs> pretended to shoot the water. That is, that is, that's insane. I think, I, mean, he was, I think he was shooting his tee shot because I, I, I questioned, and, and, and I'm with you, Greg, that that second shot to 14, uh, 13 was magnificent. I think he was reacting to the play off 11 tee because you fizz one down the fairway with a long iron. You put the ball in play over there. Things go wrong off the tee. Because if you hit the ball in the in the water on the left off the tee, you've got to cover that same water en route to a green that's the size of your living room table. And now you're into the wind as well. So I think he was more going after the decision off the tee because I found driver curious when he's got a two-stroke lead at that uh, at that stage of the game. Well, yeah, I, the, I, go ahead, Kyle. Well, I think the other thing, so he goes to 17, 18, 17's playing. Uh, so they're playing about a half stroke over par combined on Sunday. And he just hit three really good shots. Yeah. So mm -hmm. the 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 shot on the par three on seventeen, it was a great shot actually. And he just it just kind of trickled past a little bit. The drive on eighteen was awesome. And then he played kind of a a little bit of a safety shot into eighteen. But like in that moment with how hard those were playing and with Leishman, you know, kind of going at him one back. I just, I, I thought the close was really, really, I mean, you won't, you won't look at the card in like five years and be like, man, what a close by Hatton with seven straight bars. But if you watched it, you're like, yeah, that was, that's pretty impressive. Well, check hey, out, ch check out to your, sorry, I just want to come in on the heels of that, Greg, the, to your point, Carl, for the week, 15 was the fifth hardest hole playing about a quarter stroke over par. 17 was the seventh hardest hole playing about a quarter stroke over par, and 18 was the hardest hole of the week. And yeah, you've got a slender lead. There's wind all over the show. Uh, the, the pucker factor is high, okay, because now, you know, things are tightening up everywhere, and he finishes off with two quality pars there on 17, 18. That speaks to the moxie of the guy. The, the shot on uh, 18, the tee shot on 18, to me, was huge. When the ball is, is headed a little bit right and it, it gets a little bit of a ground hook back into the middle of the fairway. And that gave him two advantages. It, it really not only did it put him in the fairway, but it got him past Mark Leishman. 
And when Mark Leishman now hits it a little bit to the left and it's a, a little bit of a safe shot, a long range opportunity for birdie, it really puts Hatton in control. And he can play that safe defensive shot now because he was able to hit the fairway and get it past Leishman. So I, I did think that was a huge advantage going second. Maybe that would have changed if Mark Leishman hit a better shot. But uh, it was a little bit, of, it was very interesting coming down the stretch how close that margin was. So, um, but another player here, big time, big time player on the PGA tour uh, that I want to shift into now. And this was, is Sung Im. and Sung Im coming off the heels of his very first win on the PGA tour, uh, at the Honda classic last week, nearly becomes the second player, um, since at least 1997 to have his second win on the PGA tour come the week after his first win, David Duvall did it in 1997 and Sungjae had a real chance to do it. And it was really the 13th hole that derailed him. Uh, he ended in the water from 110 yards uh, on his second shot, which was disappointing, but he is a tough competitor. And I know that we're huge fans of, of Sungjae M. So Mark, take it away. I mean, what do you think of this guy going forward? Is he, is he as good as we really think he is? Oh, yeah. Well, well. first off, I want to say that approach shot on 13, judging by his response to the shot, I think he hit the thing exactly how he was planning to, and it just kind of nosedived in the breeze some, and, and sadly finds the uh, the water short of that green with a wedge. So that was a major misfire. Everyone else was playing in beyond the flag there. So I think that was just Sung J.M. doing Sung J.M. because, I, I, gentlemen, I think we don't need to recognize right now the fact that he is... A, a real big timer on the tour and there's lots of good out in front if he stays healthy but the shot that the guy goes ahead and tries to hit into 18 and then pulls it off okay yeah because that green is like a sliver back there and you're playing into the wind and you offered slightly down sloping line the fairway it's the kind of situation that things can go wrong like in the blink of an eye and he gets up there and he delivers again he did it last week um, down at uh, PGA National on 15 and 17. And so I'm seeing a guy here when the chips are down, he doesn't hit the safety out to the, the long side of the hole like he should have on 13. He's going after it if he feels like he's got the right club. So, yes, because of this, the mindset and then the ability not just to do it, but to do it under pressure. This speaks to me volumes of the guy's technique, his headspace, uh, and the ability just to calm himself down and slow stuff down in his mind when the pressure is at its highest. And and he spoke as much, he said, after that President's Cup, he was way more nervous there than what he was at the win down at the Honda Classic last week. And now we're seeing it again. I mean, tough golf course, the way he hits it, he is always, again, you never know with golf, but he's likely to be a factor all of the time he tees it up. Now, first in FedEx Cup points, uh, and, and, you know, hold it, being in that position, he's going to be hard to catch as much as he plays. And as well as he's playing, he's got to be a heavy favorite to, to enter the playoffs in the, in the first spot, take advantage of the winter rewards coming first in the winter rewards. I mean, this is turning out to be quite a year for him. Don't you think Kyle? Yeah, it, it's super impressive. And the trajectory is, it, you know, over the last three years, I've talked about it before, but just him, uh, corn fairy player of the year, or, he led the Corn Ferry money list, uh, PGA Tour Rookie of the Year last year, and now it's like, man, he and and I think I, I love Mark's point because I think we forget he's 21, and when you're 21, you're like, yeah, I'm going after every flag. I don't I don't care, mm -hmm. and 
you know, it might be different than you play when you're 31, but it's certainly exciting. And I thought that, I mean, yeah, the shot he hit into 18 was crazy. Um, by the way, guys, it's only been, it's only been, uh, or it's been a full three years since we've seen a 21 year old South Korean destroy TPC Sawgrass. Yeah. Siwoo Ooh. Kim, 2017, Sung JM, 2020. Well, you bring up a really good point here because you, you know me and the one and done thing. I tend to try and stick with my plan, right? And yeah, the way, yeah. The way let's talk is, about your play. <laughs> shut up. Hey, Florida guys, this is where the big time players show up. Um, he missed the cut at TPC Sawgrass last last year. In M, this is, but but he just looks like an automatic around that golf course right now because it asks you to play strategy. It asks you to drive the ball. You can play safeties, but if you hit the ball to the right area off the tee, it makes approach shots more easy. So if you're prepared to take on the shot and you can deliver, all of a sudden it becomes the kind of place you really can attack. So, man, I tell you what, he is a he is a, a, a enterprising um, choice for next week, and, and I'm wrestling with myself right now. Now, the other place where, I, I mean, to me, you look at these past couple of weeks and we've had some pretty high wins. And he seems to be proving himself as a, an excellent win player. With the solo third finish this week, he does qualify for the Open Championship. And I'm sure with World Golf Rankings, as he's moving his way up, he would get into the Open anyway. But he's got to be a, a pretty good contender over there as well. Um, headed to, I think, Royal St. George's this year. And yeah. we've had some bad weather there before. He could be a factor there, don't you think? Yeah, well, he just hits I think- the Sorry, Kyle, he just hits the ball so squarely and it doesn't really move in the air very much at all. If he does anything, it just peels gently to the right. But it, it it's a really tight sort of a ball flight that doesn't deviate very much and it also doesn't stand up or, or nosedive at all. So so in heavy winds, he, he can cut the, the cross breezes in half and into the wind, you saw what he did there at the 15th at, uh, at uh, PGA National last week and you saw, of course, what he did to 18. So... Heck yes, man. If he's playing, if he's in good form running into the open, you, he's got to be a contender, don't you think, Kyle? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think, you know, you mentioned the one and done thing for him at Sawgrass next week. I think the problem is because he plays every week, he's going to be in some like weird fields where he's like by far the best guy in the field. Not to get, like, give away my strategy here because I know Mark needs it right now, but... <laughs> Whatever. I, I, uh, I mean, look, man, I'd take him anywhere in the world right now. His he was uh, fourth or fifth. He was fourth this week. Uh, strokes gained tee to green. So, and this is what I loved about Bay Hill is you look at the t- the strokes gained tee to green guys, and it looks like a, a replica of the leaderboard. Yeah. So it's Scheffler, Damon, Morikawa, Sungjae, Hatton, Rory, Bryson. Uh, Fitzpatrick, Charlie Hoffman, and Ben on. And, you know, most of those guys were in the top 10 in the leaderboard. And I just, I, I love it when courses are able to sort out who the best ball strikers are. And, and it's not just a putting contest, which is something that Matthew Fitzpatrick talked about after his round. And I, I love that he brought it up. He said, look, I, I want to I play like this, not shoot 65 and move, move backwards down the leaderboard. See, that's an interesting... It, it's extremely interesting to me for a number of different reasons. There's a lot of discussion about the distance in the game, um, the game getting, quote-unquote, too easy. Guys are going too low at certain venues. It, to me, this illustrates what really challenges tour players. And there, the elements that challenge tour players are uh, wind, of course. You have no control over that. As far as golf course design is concerned, water really scares players. 
there's no there's no ability to punish them. So we saw a lot of balls in the water this week, especially on Saturday at 18. It seemed like in every group somebody was rinsing it. And then what it also does, which is undervalued, is that it forces you to play away from the water. Like Sung M on 11 hits iron off the tee. And next thing you know, you're, you're looking at a hole that's 446 yards. Normally, that's driver or three wood and a wedge. All of a sudden, Sung J.M., he has 236 yards into that green because he hits an iron off the tee to stay short of the water. And now he's forced to have a long shot into the green. So that's the architecture. And then with setup, thick rough. And and these are the ways, in my opinion, where you can really challenge players. It's not so much distance. Are, are we all in the same boat on that? Or, or do you think... Uh, that do, you, do you, does anybody think that the golf ball is going too far, Kyle? I think the golf ball is going too far. <laughs> Even after after last week at at Honda, after this week at at Bay Hill, you still feel that way? Yeah, because I think if, if you if you have to rely on sorry, I was just reading through Rory's transcript after his uh, after his round today. I think if you have to rely on wind and conditions. I mean, look at it, I always go to St. Andrews for this for this argument, right? Like if it's windy, great. Yeah, great course, tough rewards, great ball striking. But if it's not windy, it's it's kind of a joke, right? Like it's so it's so short and and like you're just getting to the point where you're like, well, we can we can go to some places. But if it's not windy, when the winner's going to be like 31 under and it's hey, just it, calling St. Andrews. The kind of the old course kind of a joke is like calling your mama ugly. Come on now. Really? Well, I'm just but for these guys it is. I mean, what watch DJ and Rory play it. They they've they're they're putting on their second shots. But if it's windy, it's awesome, right? Like it's the best. And I just I don't like that we have to rely on conditions to make courses as great as St. Andrews uh difficult and challenging. Yeah, you know what, Greg Greg, I, I agree with Kyle over there. The golf ball does go too far. Everybody knows it. Um, everybody recognizes it. And there was something that was brought up on Twitter here recently. And a guy made a statement to say, well, look, scoring average in round one and two, you know, six unders leading, whatever it is, the ball, does the ball really go too far because a good golf course setup will mitigate that sort of thing. And then Frank Nobolo made the point, and I, I respect Nobolo's opinion highly. He made the point, he's just like Carl said, he's like, uh, you know, it's nature is fickle. The, the tour set up this golf course in a certain way as Mr. Palmer would have wanted it. Everyone respects his wishes there as you should. And then you get some breezes that are a little bit more blustery and a little more sunshine than you're expecting. And all of a sudden those firm surfaces get to a point where it's almost unmanageable. So, so you've got to play it a bit careful. So I, I, I think it's dangerous to push golfers, golf courses to the edge just to defend the golf ball. Heck, we've seen it a couple of times at Shinnecock Hills already. already. Yeah, I, I just to me, it's an outdoor game, and these kind of things are are a, a factor, and they're part of it. And there's to me, there's no problem if one week a guy goes out at St. Andrews and and sets a record. We saw Tiger go set a record. You see it play easy. It's normally windy. Okay, it's not this week. Well, it's it's an outdoor game. I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I I, I like seeing variety week to week to week in the game. I like how this week. We have a real brutal contest, and, and it, it just plays extremely challenging. If the wind doesn't blow next week, you could see a real low number shot next week. But to me, I, I look at these recent events, the, uh, the, the Honda Classic this week, 
Uh, I look at some past U.S. Opens being Marion, uh, the Olympic Club, um, venues like that. And I just I think the challenge is elsewhere. I don't believe the challenge is in the distance that the ball flies. So to me, I don't think there's a problem. And, and I like seeing offense when when the conditions allow for it. And I like seeing players have to vary or alter their game plan based on conditions. So to me, to me, I'm a fan. I think the game's in a great place. I, I just look at great variety around around the, the PGA Tour and and the majors as well. And I think it's phenomenal. So it, I don't know. That's my take on it. I, I guess we're in a little bit of a disagreement here. But I mean, so is everybody Which else. Which is awesome. The world is, right? <laughs> I love yeah. it. I love the disagreement. It's great. Yeah, that's why you get you get Porter and Iron, and you're likely to get that every second subject. <laughs> it's just fantastic. It's just fantastic. It so, uh, Mark Leishman, another player on the PGA Tour who seems to be popping up, and his game around the greens just every once in a while it pops up, and, and it did at uh, it did at the Farmers, and it did again this week, and we see him right in contention. There's something going on with these Presidents Cup players. I mean, Tyrrell Hatton is like the first guy, and since uh, since since the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro Am, where the winner is not from um, the the Presidents Cup, either either side of that. With Mark Leishman's game, what do you make of this? I mean, it, it, he just pops up with some great statistics around the greens this week, even though for the year they're not great. What's it? What is in his technique around the greens that makes it so magical, Mark? I'll ask you. I, you know what, I think it's more than just the technique. Um, Leishman is probably one of the most easygoing chaps you'll ever meet. And nothing really bothers him very much. He's easygoing, he's laid back. And and golf has got a healthy place. In the, he's, he's got a good perspective for golf and it fits into a good place in his life. So you know, when conditions get hard and when when he's under pressure and, and stuff starts stuff starts getting really difficult... It looks to me like he actually relaxes himself a little bit, and that's what works around the greens because tension, I think, ruins flow, and if flow is off, touch around the greens is off. And in a situation like this, this week, where you had to have a lot of touch to be able to, one, see where the golf ball was going to have to land, how it was going to track out, and then have the softness of, of, of touch about you to deliver that and then not mishit anything because as you're slowing down, it's easy to dunk one in the grass before contact. I think some of it is lends itself to that, and then, then when you go to Poania, like he was, he's won down there in Torrey Pines earlier this season. You've got to have the moxie about you to be able to hit the putt a little firmer, and just be okay with perhaps having four or five feet going by, and and so nothing really phases him, and and he's got this languid action around the greens, very little wrist action, but I think a lot of it is born of him being like, okay, whatever, I'll just do this, and if it works out, great. If it doesn't, I'll go ahead and hit the next one, and and I think that is almost the um the unquantifiable weapon that he has in his arsenal it's beautiful to watch it really is and he seems like such a such a great guy he's he's a cool calm collected uh, nice genuine guy doesn't seem he he seems like the kind of guy that you'd meet after the round and you just hang out with him like he's not anything uh too special he he doesn't think too highly of himself he's just kind of a normal dude which is hey it's so cool for me to to watch what's your take on mark leishman kyle well it it is interesting because he does i i forgot he won farmers by the way but he does pop up at these certain events and you know he he seems like he seems like this guy that um 
I, I've sort of been fitting guys like him into the Shane Lowry mode or, or mold, excuse me, of late, where it's like, hey, you're going to have a, a really good career, like multiple wins, uh, maybe a WGC or two, maybe contend for a player's. And you're going to get like one or two shots at winning a major. And can you convert those? Because, you know, f- for all we talk about like Bay Hill and Honda and all this stuff, like it, it, a lot of this is about winning majors. And Leishman's had a couple shots sort of at times. You know, Augusta comes to mind. Yeah, it was alongside Adam Scott when Scotty won there. And, and you remember Leishman's response? He was over the moon for his buddy winning. I mean, that, that speaks yeah. to the character of the guy. And he he was in that playoff at St. And- to bring St. Andrews back into it. It was Zach Johnson and, and uh, who else was in that? U- Usti, I yeah, think. Yeah, he was in there, yeah. Um, so I don't know. Maybe he's already missed his his one shot at, at winning a major championship. But he's he's a really good player who's not quite in the category where you're like, hey, he's he's going to like win a major and maybe multiples. Like I, I don't quite put him in that co- category, but – it's really fun to watch him play well because I love his ball fight. I love the way he shapes the ball, and uh, he's yeah, like you guys noted, he's he's a good dude. He's the only player on the PGA Tour that's hit yours truly twice. Okay, twice. He's he's got me. Both times. Really? Uh, yeah, Hos- both. Hospitalized? <laughs> no. Hospitalized? Too much adrenaline. Got me on the back of the arm one time and got me on the wrist the other time. I hope he was far enough away from you. I mean, man, because he's got some ball speed. One was, a, a one was with a three iron, the other one was with a driver. BMW and a Tory Pines. Ouch. Did he sign a glove for you? No, he didn't, damn it. And I'm still trying to get him on my podcast. He's agreed, yeah. but I can't. I can't That's uh, messed up. Did you get a selfie with him? <laughs> I actually did. I went and showed, showed him the bruise a couple of weeks later. And he's like, was that? He goes, I thought I got you. I was trying to figure it out because I was walking ahead. <laughs> so I did, yeah. Great player, five-time winner on the PGA Tour. He's earned nearly thirty million dollars in his in his career. He, he's fun to watch. I'm a I'm a big Mark Leishman fan, and I do think Kyle, to your point, I think there are a couple of majors this year that uh, that could suit him well. And if he can get hot with the putter, hot with the short game, the way that he did this week, that kind of touch and feel that Mark was talking about around the greens can be, uh, can, can be very beneficial, particularly at one of the major championships this year. So we'll see what we can do, but I, I keep your eye out for him because I, I think he can get the job done. Uh, not sure which one, but I, I really do think he can get it done. So we'll, we'll see, we'll see where it goes, but it's definitely impressive. Yeah, I, I could see him having a, a late afternoon tea time at, at one of the majors, maybe Augusta, maybe the Open, something like that. Speaking of tea times, how about that, guys? How good was that? That was, that was You're professional. You're Supreme, Supreme Golf has your next tea time at the best price. They do the work for you. I'm so giddy about that. Uh, by comparing different, different tea time providers at thousands of courses around the world. If you're still calling the course to book your next round, yes. I am talking to you. Search your city, compare prices from every provider, and book the right tee time at the right course. Get the best deal at more courses than all other booking sites combined at supremegolf.com slash the first cut. That's supremegolf.com slash the first cut or on the free Supreme Golf app for iOS and Android. Smooth. Very, very smooth. Uh, almost as smooth as the swing of Rory McIlroy, who this <laughs> Sunday didn't quite have didn't didn't quite have uh, the Sunday performance we've hoped for. We've had a couple of these this year. Rory continues to put himself in the mix. It's another 
T5 finish for him uh, so far on the year. But are we getting concerned at all with him failing to get the job done? Are we concerned at all with these uh, with these struggles on Sunday? It's not like he's just getting beat. Rory has been beating himself so far this year. Mark, are, are you worried? No, not at all. Uh, you, you look at the run today that McElroy had. It started with a bogey there on uh, the fifth. Um, crosswind from the left. He's driven to the fairway bunker. From there, once he's, he's got one on the breeze a bit and actually did well to make a bogey. And and I thought when he knocked in that 10-footer or 6-footer, 8-footer, whatever it was, I'm like, that is big for him. Then you get to the next hole, that par 5, the sixth. And the lines he had been taking earlier in the week with a slightly different wind were just animalistic. Okay? I mean, he was taking on so much of that water down the left-hand side in that boomerang-shaped hole. And I'm like, only one guy has got the nuts to do that, like he did at the Players' Championship last year. But then you switch the wind a little bit, and downwind over there, he drove it like 350 through the fairway, and he couldn't, on the angle of the hole, take it any more left. I mean, what he could have done, perhaps, has gone with three metal. But then he's getting away from who he is. So he drives it through the fairway, horrid lie, lays it up in a fairway bunker, and from there it goes disastrous. So uh, I think some of it is situational. The guy I saw walk off most greens, especially the 18th green, with a look on his face, you could see there was aggravation on the go there. You could see he knew he had spilled a really good chance. And I just think this is going to galvanize the intent and the desire even more. So I, I'm not that concerned. Kyle, I know you're big on Rory this year. You've been big on him all year. Does this does this performance change your mind at all? Does it give you any concern? Uh, No, but I'm less convinced than I think Mark maybe is. I'm looking at his his round-by-round scoring average this year. So he's second in round one scoring average, eighth in round two. This is on the PGA Tour. Second in round three. And then he's 25th in round four. Um, So, you know, there's some some variance there. I I think that's a number to keep an eye on. You know, I I think it's – I don't know, all of his other final rounds, like he went 67 at Zozo, 68 at HSBC where he won, 69 Farmers, 68 Mexico. So those are all good final rounds. And then 73 Genesis, that was bad. That's where he had the, was it a triple on seven? Uh, No, it was on six. Six. Five, 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 the par four. That's right. And then obviously 76 today. So two, I would call them, you know, like just worse than, than the field average. Like he just, he played worse than the field did. And when you've got a chance to win a tournament, like he had in, in both uh, Genesis and this one and your Rory, you know, that's not great. Like you don't want to be worse than the field average. And I, I thought it, you know, going into uh, to Sunday, I, I thought his 73 on Saturday was super impressive. Cause this is not, this is not Rory stuff. Like he doesn't grind 73s and 74s to victory, right? He goes, he, he shoots 66s and 67s to win. And so I thought his round on Saturday was was really impressive. And Sunday was just kind of like, I, I don't know. It, it wasn't good. I mean, the, the ball out of bounds on nine was terrible. Basically, it had two bad shots, and it cost him the tournament. One bad shot at, at Riviera cost him the tournament. So I think it just speaks to how difficult it is to – got to be so consistently good, especially on Sundays, to get the job done to win. But – I don't know. Am I disappointed in somebody's seven straight top fives on the PGA Tour? I I don't know. Not really. Man, it's about as dis- – like, if you're going to 
get get into seven straight top fives on the PGA Tour. I mean, if you look at the top tens that he's accumulated this year and all of it's ridiculous. The percentage is ridiculous. And it, every single time, he's right there in contention. He's the number one player in the world, but he just doesn't seem to get like, like Sunday doesn't seem to be his best day. And there are a couple exceptions to that. He shot 61 at the Canadian Open last year. But that's the kind of run that I think we expect to see out of Rory in a lot of instances. We expect to see his best stuff on Sunday, and we haven't. We haven't seen it. it it's been okay, marginal. He's, he's gotten beat a lot. And I, I wonder if it gets frustrating for a Rory McIlroy. If you get inside his head, is there a point where – Okay, well, I played well again. I keep playing well. I keep being the favorite going into the into the weekend. Keep being the favorite going into Sunday, and I'm not getting the job done. Is there any point, Mark, where where you're sounding the alarms? If you're if you're Rory in Rory's mind, uh, no, he's frustrated. I'll, I'll I'll bet you my mortgage on that. Absolutely, he's frustrated because this event means a lot. It's one of the special events on the tour, and he's won it before. And and to me. Oftentimes, the golf course is a barometer for major championship golf, and uh, he knew he knew he knows he spent one today. But I don't think there's any alarm bells to sound. If you look statistically, and he does, and he also let, let's let's not forget that this recent rich vein of form that he has been on has all been a function of him stepping away from social media. It's all been a function of him putting off in its place. He talks about his P's, the perspective and the patience and the, and the poise. poise. I can't remember all of them. But so he's going to be irate about this. He'll get over it and then he'll get on with the next job. And, and the one thing he does too is he looks at statistics. And statistically, yes, apart from final round scoring that Carl points out, all of the measurables off the tee, approach shots, around the greens, putting, you know, he's very, very sound. He's doing everything that he should and sometimes you just make an inopportune mistake, and sometimes you get outplayed. And uh, and uh, the one thing I know for sure is if you keep yourself in contention, your odds go up. And if you're a guy, if if you're a gambling guy, you should be putting money on him. Yeah, I, I think that's probably a, a good idea. It, he's just playing very well, and it's very likely that he's going to be in the mix. Uh, and if you're a gambling man and you're betting on Rory, you're going to have four days to watch because he's going to so be here, a factor the whole way. Here, Here's the quote from him after his round. He said, I'm doing what I expect myself to do every week, which is giving myself a chance. Did you feed him that line, Mark? Yeah. Sounds like what you just said. Uh, I, I, give see, my, I haven't seen the transcripts yet, just saying. Huh? I give myself a chance most weeks, and the more weeks, and more weeks than not, it's not going to happen. That's just how golf is. He said, I think my win percentage is like 10% on tour, and that's pretty high for anyone who's not Tiger Woods. So, yeah, it's just one of those things. I've had chances. I wish I converted one of them over the last few weeks, but I'm still in good form. I'm playing good golf. And hopefully if I just keep putting myself in these positions, it's only a matter of time. So This is a healthy, healthy perspective right now, and I think that is that, that, in my opinion, is crucial to good playing, consistently good playing. And it will probably uh, bode well for him going into – the Masters. I definitely have concerns about him at, at Masters. I still have concerns about this, um, but I agree with everything he says. It's it's pretty good. It's a pretty good win percentage. Uh, it's not as much as I think we'd like to see, 
but it's great play. There's no doubt about it. He's playing great. But, uh, you know, another player who come April, when we get to Masters, we're, we're going to be having, asking a lot of questions about is Brooks Kepka. Brooks Kepka on Saturday shot his career high round of 81, uh, which was difficult. And he answered with a 71 today, and he did make the cut. So that's all all good news. When you look at Brooks Kepka going forward, uh, there's, there's plenty of questions swirling about his health. Uh, about him as a as a player in general, Kyle. What do you make of Brooks Kepka heading into April? Do you think he is still in position to be a factor? Is he tricking us again, or is there something to re- be really concerned about? No, I'm I'm out. I'm out on Kepka. Eject. Yeah, you're out. You think this run's done? He's not. He's he's playing terribly. I mean, it's just, and he knows it. Like it's not. I don't know. We talked about this last week, I think. Like, go. So he finished his second at last year's Masters. Well, everybody's like, oh, he only plays in the majors. It's like, well, he, he finished second at Honda leading into the Masters last year. So that's one thing. And and also, it's not as if he's, like, trying to play. It's not, I mean, he said it on Friday. He's like, I'm trying to, like, find something, anything. And it's just, it's not there. He's Brooks Koepka is not good at golf right now. He's not the number whatever he's ranked three player in the world. He's like the 60th best player in the world. He's, he's not, he's not a top five guy and nothing about his season uh, says that he is so far now, whether that's injury or whatever, I, I, I don't know. Only he knows like what the percentages are there, but whatever it is, it's, it's not good. And I, I can't consider him one of the favorites going into the masters. How about you, Mark? Uh, looking at his starts this year, now again, the disclaimer here is you're coming off in, uh, injury. I, uh, I I quipped something on Instagram the other day, and a few guys ripped me. They're like, "Well, he was injured too, you know." Uh, but looking through the starts since this year in 2020, he shot rounds of 73, 74, 74, 74, 73, 81, and he's had three rounds under par. Uh, I, I'm 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 struggling right now with Brooks and. And what concerned me too, and I'm all confused right now because he has worked with Claude Harmon for the bulk of his career. But then I see him on the range with Pete Cowan um, earlier this week. Now, I know Cowan helps with a short game, but the next thing I see them looking at the long, uh, at the full swing. So now you've got a guy who's obviously asking questions and calling in different opinions, and you're running into a pretty hefty part of the schedule right now with a Florida swing. You've got the match play coming up and, of course, the Masters. This is not the time you want to sort of be upsetting the apple cart a little bit too much. But clearly, by the actions, I have not read anything. I haven't heard anything. I haven't heard any insider speak. I haven't spoken with Claude. There are questions being asked. When a golfer starts asking questions like that, that means that there's something up. And so uh, he said it. He says he played doo-doo, and and he's looking around a bunch. (laughs) That's, That's concerning to me. You know, the, the uh, asking questions to other coaches is interesting to me because I, I do I think there are some players where that raises big red flags. But I think back to last year when you had Patrick Reed asking uh, David Ledbetter for a little bit of help and basically just called up and got into his lesson book. And I wonder uh, with with a Brooks Kepka, the mindset of a Brooks Kepka, is it a big deal to, to have Pete, who you're familiar with, who you're comfortable with? Uh, answer a couple questions for you. To me, it's not a huge deal. I look at Brooks and I think he's got, there's a shot that's clearly plaguing his game right now. He's blowing it to the right. He's hitting basically a big block cut to the right. Because he's petrified of the left-hand side of the golf course right now. Is that what, that, that's what you, he's scared of left, so he's missing everything to the right. 
That's that's the thinking for you. Yeah, absolutely. You 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 watch some of the swings. You see this happen whenever a lot of these right misses you talk about in round three. It was rampant, and every basically every single one of them was when there was some sort of trouble on the left hand side. He's ba- he's battling that shot club face, and when the thing is shut, you got to swing hard left. And if you can't go left to that sucker, you're gonna hit a few pulls, and then all of a sudden you get a little too far inside. You get that thing behind you, and then all of a sudden you hit that wiped right ball. And so now you got. Short right, long left, short right, long left. Not even Tiger Woods was able to circumvent that for a while. Is that a knee? Is that a knee issue? Is that a left knee issue? I, who knows? I, I, I pined on this one a few weeks ago. I'm watching him play over there in the Middle East. Um, right now, I don't know. I, I hadn't seen enough. I watched some of PGA Tour Live, not all of his round early in the, early in the week. So, so I, I really can't offer you anything constructive on that because I don't want to suck wind on this answer. Yeah, it, it would make sense to me to for that to be a, a left knee issue. So I, the only thing I'll give with Brooks, and I agree with everything that uh, that Kyle said, and I agree with what you said, Mark. That's very interesting about the fear of left. Uh, I, I agree with all that. The one thing that I'll say is I, I think there's some rust going on still. And I, there's a lot of time where he's not practicing, where he's rehabbing. He's not swinging a golf club. He's come back. Some things have maybe gone a little differently than he expected, and it's taken him a little while to figure out the golf swing. I, I'm going to give him a little bit more time. For me, with Brooks Kepka and all that he's proved to me in majors, I have to see him fail at Augusta National. I have to see him play really poorly in a major for me to jump in with Kyle and, and agree. Uh, I, I'm not going to take the stand and say he's fine, because he's clearly not fine, um, but, but I, I am definitely in a place where I can still wait and see. Um, so that's where I'm sitting with Brooks Kepka. But, you know, changes are something that happens regularly on the PGA Tour. Bryson DeChambeau is another player we've seen go through some major changes. It's starting to pay off. I want to talk a little Bryson with you boys. But first, let's take a break and hear a word from our partners. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back on the First Cut podcast. Uh, We mentioned... Bryson DeChambeau, some changes that he's made to his game, to uh, to his body, especially here on the PGA Tour this season. And in recent weeks, we've seen him come into some pretty good form 
and, and as we look at this, all three of us, Kyle and Mark, we did take Bryson in the one and done pick, which uh, to me is pretty, pretty nice. And it, it's a pretty big deal. It's a good finish for us. He gets into solo fourth place at one under par. Kyle, what'd you think of that shot on 18? I mean, that's why you bulk up, right? He muscled it out of the right rough there and make birdie. Yeah, totally. I mean, it was, <laughs> I can't believe like in retrospect, I don't know how far out he was, maybe 170 or I, I don't, I don't know. 180. 177. I okay. I couldn't believe he hit it. I mean, what, what are your options there? You've got like a, you know, basically a 10 yard, like landing strip that you have to judge. I mean, it was, it was an insane shot to take on. And I just thought, you know, I, I was impressed much like Hatton. I was impressed that Bryson kept battling cause he was kind of out of it on Thursday, Friday, you know, I flip it on. He's like four over. He's, he's like grinding to make the cut. Uh, he made a couple of birdies, I think late on Friday to get inside the cut. And then he just went after it on the weekend. I, I haven't looked at it. I doubt anybody was better than him on the weekend in terms of aggregate score. And uh, that's that's really impressive because it's one thing to go to Mexico and shoot 20 under. It's a different thing to go to Bay Hill and back it up with, you know, an even a tough, even par week, uh, you know, in, in which you're just grinding it out on the weekend. I, I, I'm really impressed by kind of the ability to do both of those things in such a uh, short period of time. You, you know, for me, as I watched the whole thing and I was obviously paying attention, um, the, what impressed me about Bryson and to go back a few podcasts, I, I made the statement to say, um, I think between he and Jordan Spieth, I, I can't tell you who's more intense and who wants to save shots more between the two of them. You, you can see it's etched all over their comportment and their manner. And, and, and just that sheer intensity and that desire that he showed uh, this week and especially this weekend was what, what he basically operated on. Both rounds in the weekend, he was over par off the front side. And both rounds, both Saturday and Sunday, he played the back nine in 35, one under, and 32 today. And, and that was just sheer desire, sheer hard work, sheer grit, uh, determination. Yes, he's bulky and brawny, and that shot he had on 18 was 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 gargantuan. Um, but, but the intensity of the guy, you, you just saw on his face that he was not going to spend a shot. And if he had a chance to somehow claw one, scratch one back he did and and it was just the, the conditions all, almost lent itself to that sort of attitude it, it was extremely impressive the second nine to, to go out there and, and shoot well, four under on the second nine was especially after shooting three over on the front extremely impressive to me uh you love seeing it you love seeing the big fist pump on 18 um and and it was a great weekend and kyle you mentioned the lowest on the weekend it's definitely the lowest I saw tied with Taylor Gooch, who also shot 72-71 over the weekend. So some impressive play from Bryson. He definitely got us some points in the in the one and done, which is uh, which is great. And I was very, very proud to see Bryson battle back uh, in that sense and in that fashion. As far as the one and done is concerned, it didn't really matter all that much. Uh, our next biggest competitor, so the three of us, we all took Bryson, who finished fourth place at one under par. Um, Rick Gaiman had Xander Shoffley, who was the next best finisher at five over par. So the birdie on 18, whether he went for it or, or uh, you know, if he laid up or played it way left, it didn't really make much of a difference in a one and done perspective. 
Uh, you also had, uh, we had an, an Adam Scott pick with a missed cut. We had a Jason Day pick. We had a Henrik Stenson pick who all missed the cut. So Bryson, for the three of us, was a, a real big jump for us, which was really nice to see. Kyle remains on top of the leaderboard uh, for the for the season-long race. And he is well ahead, $800,000 ahead of me, who's in second. Our producer, Jacob Alex, is right on my tails, about $300,000 behind. So it is, uh, and Mark is out of the cellar. Quick correction. Thank you. I, I told you a big time is show up in Florida, and I had Woodland, who was like 15th last week, and we've had a fourth place uh, onwards to the Players' Championship. I have, a, I have a quick correction there, Greg. Uh, Jason Day did not miss the cut. He withdrew. He withdrew. He got, oh, he got WD. Back. There it is. I, yeah, yeah, he got a fast pass to Roger. Jacob's getting a bit defensive of his, of his pick. I, yeah, you're right. I, I apologize. And that's a big story, too. That's a bad miss on I, me. Because Jason Day is just, it's disappointing with the uh, with the injuries. But that's a topic of conversation for another day. Maybe next week when we get into the players. Um, but, you know, it, the injury of Jason Day does bring up a really interesting point. And we haven't heard... Uh, Kyle, we haven't heard yours, and, and Mark, we haven't heard your take on the, on the pod here of Tiger Woods skipping the players. Uh, Mark, we'll start with you. What do you what do you make of that? What do you think? He, he's out for the Players Championship. It's a big one, right? Yeah, I know. Um, I hadn't been hitting the panic button, and um, now I'm starting to ask a few questions. Um, nobody knows. Apparently, the injury was obviously a little bit more serious than what we were all making out, you know, because they just complained about back stiffness after the Genesis, and then. That's why he couldn't go last week at the Honda class uh, at, pardon me, in, in Mexico. Didn't play Honda and now no players. He won't be at Velspar, I don't believe. So the next start, if indeed he does go down there, is in in uh, Austin for the match play. So um, the thing that's concerning to me is just the practice time. Um, Woods prides himself on, on complete preparation for every examination he's going to face. And obviously if there's back stiffness, you can't really hit full speed. That's one thing. He can make some smooth swings and make so you can iron out the technique-ish. But if your back is stiff, all the short game work is really going to be scuppered. I mean, bent over putting for a few hours. He's not going to be able to do that. Pitching around greens and stuff, which are all the real questions that are asked, certainly at the match play with all those undulating greens there. And then when you get to Augusta National, it's the same thing that McKenzie designed where you could have fantastic creativity um really good iron play Let, let's let's not forget that but you've got to be able to really roll the golf ball and and see lines and make saves and and recover from errant shots and so uh, the the practice time is concerning to me right now you think back to the ninth hole last year tiger said it was one of the uh, one of the pivotal pivotal moments in the tournament it was a long lag putt from the upper level that he was able to two putt and and the touch around the greens was really the difference between he and Brooks Kepka. everybody highlights the shot on number 12 but Brooks Kepka had five three putts and Tiger did not and, and that was a, a huge difference in last year's Masters Kyle I, I get the feeling that you're a little worried here are you pressing the panic button I think the Premier Golf League might have just paid him to not show up at the PGA Tour's Premier <laughs> event. You funny. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, it's not great. I mean, it's 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 fun and it's easy to do the whole like fifth major, is it or isn't it? But players is a big deal. I mean, it's a it's a big deal, and especially this week, you know, we might get some announcements from the PJ tour about their future. Just, you know, they're showing every shot. Like it's a, 
it's a real thing. And so if you're gonna if you're gonna like cut down your schedule, players isn't one you're skipping, you know, unless you're only playing the major championships. And so I don't know. It's it's I think it speaks to a future in which it's normal to wonder if and when Tiger's going to play. That doesn't mean I mean I think there are gonna be stretches and runs where he plays a lot and he's healthy and he's good. And then there are going to be stretches where he's not healthy and he's not good. And I think it just, it makes me more than anything. I just got done reading uh, Bamberger's uh, book, The Second Life of Tiger Woods. It's really good. And it makes me wonder and think back on that, on the Masters last year and be like, was that it? Like, was that the, was that the one? Because I think that, and if it is fine, great. Like it was awesome and it was great for him and it was freaking fun to watch and consume and everything else. But him not playing the players makes me wonder if that was that was kind of the the last you know the last stand at a major championship. Maybe not, I hope not, but maybe so. To me that might be a little bit it you you're right. I mean maybe so who knows. To me it's a little bit of a stretch. And I think this is what you you also said this is just the reality of of Tiger Woods now. The second life of Tiger, this is it. We're looking at a guy who is going to be hurt sometimes. We're looking at a guy who's going to be stiff sometimes. And I would argue that he's stiff every day when he wakes up. It's just a matter of how stiff, how, you know, how, how much does the back hurt? He's 44 years old uh, and he's probably uh, a lot older. He's an, he's an old 44 year old. And I think that that injury, the stiffness, the pain that he deals with is something he's always going to deal with. So when he's pulling out of tournaments or, or not signing up for tournaments, especially when they're as big as the players championship, uh, that's a sign that it's just at a, at another level. It's just a little well, bit more extreme. I think my question is, if I could ask him true serum right now, if it was the Masters, would you be playing? Because I think the answer to that would, I mean, it would tell us a lot, right? Like how how hurt is he? Um, is this just a hey, it's not a major thing? I, I, I don't know. Like, if it was the Masters, would he be playing? I, I have no idea. And I think, I mean, we're going to get that answer in a month because it will be the Masters, and he has to make a decision about that, obviously. But I don't know. It, it's it's very curious. And I think that, you know, not playing Mexico, not playing Bay Hill, that's one thing. But not playing the players, is that's a really, yeah, really a big, big, big thing. That's a big deal. Do you think he plays the match play, Mark? Mm. Uh, he's played well there. Um I, I, I'm always been a firm believer in that a competitor has to have a sense, like you use the term rust for Brooks, you know, to me, he's had a few runs now. He's, he feels the tournament speed. You feel the rhythm of it all. You know, you can sort of get over some of the butterflies and, and you get a sense for how your body feels when the pressure is up because you cannot, I don't care who you are, replicate that in practice. And so I've always believed that every competitor should have some running time and some under pressure time leading into an important event, whether you're playing well or whether you aren't playing well, because sometimes under pressure, you can find a little something that will help you play better. So uh, from that point of view, I think he should, or he will play, but, but the rest of me is like, well, you've had the time off now. Why don't you just put a lid on it, work on the game, uh, get on your home practice facility there where they can ramp the speeds of the greens up and basically set it up like Augusta National will play speed-wise and just, you know, prepare and then see how it goes when you arrive in uh, Augusta, Georgia in early, in early April. 
Man, to me, well, what do you what do you think, Kyle? Do you think he plays or not? You said about match play? Yeah, match play. I'm gonna say no. You know, we we've seen this before. Ten, he didn't he had a long break before the Masters. Fifteen, he went Phoenix Open to the Masters. I think he's okay with not playing before the Masters. And I, I, I yeah, I don't think he plays match play. I kinda I tend to agree. I mean it's one I, I just have a feeling that we're going to see him in April and then we're going to see him in May in a hurting park. And, you know, I, I think we're not going to see a lot of Tiger in non-majors. And I, I don't even know about the playoffs at the end of the year. I really don't. So uh, it, it's very interesting to see. This is the new reality. Uh, Tiger is, is 44 years old. And we're going to have to see how he feels each and every week. And there's no more predicting his schedule. It would make sense that he would play in Mexico. It would make sense that he would play the Arnold Palmer Invitational. It would make sense that he would play the players. I think everybody who was looking at his schedule back in January when the news came out that he was going to play Farmers and Genesis, I think those events were on everybody's predicted schedule and were all wrong. So uh, that's just the reality of the situation. There's no more predicting Tiger's schedule outside of majors to me. It's, uh, I I don't want to, this is just the reality. Make of it what you will, but it's all, it's all a health question. Um, So does does that give you any, what what do you think, any chance that this affects the the betting odds going into this, Kyle? Do you think Tiger's going to be down the list a little bit if we don't see him at all before Masters? No, because I don't think that people that are, you know, the majority of people that are that are betting on Tiger to win the Masters are even, I don't think they care before the Masters. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I mean, seriously, like, I, so, yeah, it might bump it a little, but it's not gonna. I think he'll still be, what, twelve, fourteen going in, something like that, and maybe even I don't know where he is right now. I think he was at eight or nine or ten, um, but yeah, I think I think I think he'll be right up there. I'll tell you what, when when those odds go up a little bit, people are going to dive at that bet. I mean, it's going to be mayhem. Yeah, I I agree. Man, it, you know, he, he, the horses for courses, he there's nobody better uh, that's that's active on the PGA Tour now. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see, but it'll definitely be a story we'll have our eye on. Uh, it seems like there each and every time we have a big time event on the PGA Tour. We will have a conversation about about Tiger Woods and and whether he's playing or not. That's the way it's going to be. So um, we'll see what happens. And I hope we get to see him at the match play. I'd like to see him get a rep, but I'm not expecting it. So uh, I, I think we'll we will have this conversation again pre Masters. But anyway, uh, thank you guys both for coming on the show. It's been it's been great having you. Uh, it's great to hear you enjoyed the tournament as much as I did. And uh, another great week on the PGA Tour. So next week, Players' Championship. It's going to be a big one. It's going to be a lot of action around uh, around the First Cup pod. We'll have an, a, a couple, at least a couple of extra podcasts this week. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Make sure you subscribe to the First Cup podcast. And, and if you like what you heard tonight, give us a rating wherever it is that you that you listen to podcasts and uh, and we appreciate that very much. Uh, I'm Greg Ducharme. You can get me on Twitter at the Real GFD. Mark Immelman is on Twitter at Mark underscore Immelman and Kyle Porter is at Kyle Porter CBS. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Sung Jay forever. <laughs>